right, here we go. <sighs> I'm sorry, you talk. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Coffee. I'm Carter, and today is September 19th, Thursday, and I am joined by, as always, by the bad man Majama with the dog, Carrie Smith. Hey, Carrie. <laughs> At this point, we should just do a live deprogrammed. I we mean, a live, a live Kofefi deprogrammed. No, no, no. We got this. We okay. Got this. Okay. Um, <sighs> today has been an interesting morning, folks, because Carrie has not figured out how to use clocks yet, but she's close to figuring it out. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. You make fun of me because I use a paper calendar and I use an old-fashioned alarm clock because I don't like using my phone for that. Not for I that. have no problem with you doing that as long as it works. Yeah, um, my, my clock was set wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was flashing 12 and she kept looking at it going, I got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to talk about uh, Greta Thunberg today, Carrie. Uh, yeah, I just wanted you to tell me your opinion about this kid because I've heard a lot of things about her. And I saw a I, funny meme that I'm going to share with you in a second. Well, uh, I feel, my first feeling is that I feel bad for her. Um, and I read a little bit of her Wikipedia. Um, first of all, her, her mother's an opera singer and her father is an actor. So a house full of narcissists. I feel bad for her already. Then she first heard about climate change in 2011 when she was eight years old and could not understand why so little was being done about it. Now, an eight-year-old's concept of climate change is never going to be sophisticated. And when you have, I, we mentioned this the other day, when you have alarmists telling her that the world is going to end, of course the eight-year-old is, is going to wonder what, why nothing's being done. In fact, let me, uh, there's a quote of hers, which I think actually captures this. She says, I am here, this is in one of her recent speeches. I am here to say our house is on fire. I want you to act as you would in a crisis. I want you to act as if our house is on fire because it is. So in some sense, uh, she's completely understandable because she is, is accusing adults of saying, you're telling there's, us there's a crisis, but you're not doing anything about it. And she's right. They are using a lot of hyperbole. Um, what she didn't understand was that it's all hyperbole. It's not true. They're lying to you. They're, it's a manufactured crisis. But so anyway, she's eight. She's told about this. And a few years later, it says, this is according to her Wikipedia article. Three years later, she became depressed and lethargic stopped talking and eating, and was eventually diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, obsessive compulsive disorder, and selective mutism, which means that she basically doesn't talk unless she wants to or feels it's necessary. Now, what's interesting to me here is that would make her, if she was eight, three years later makes her 11. 11 is kind of late to diagnose with, I, I don't know, I'm not a diagnostician, but 11 seems late to diagnose someone with three um, pathologies out of the blue. Suddenly they have Asperger's, OCD, and selective mutism. And I would ask why those suddenly arose after her constant bombardment with crisis, 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 
well, uh, they may actually be they may actually be related. And so she is now, you know, she's now gone. She's only been doing this for a year. She she started this. Um, I think she started the school strike thing um, to protest climate change, and she's being paraded around by people with an agenda, a Marxist agenda, who love to be alarmists and, and use her to push the idea of their manufactured crisis. And that makes me sad. Now she's 16. She's probably going now, she's 16. So she's probably going to turn out to be an obnoxious adult. And there's not really much we can do about that, just like David Hogg. Um, she, actually, she reminded me of David Hogg in the sense that I think the left has a tendency to hide behind children. So, you know, you're supposed to treat kids with. Um, actually, well, let me let me interject loves, for a second. Right. With this. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Translate this into Swedish. Exactly. Wow. I didn't see that meme, but uh, David Hogg is the person I thought of. Right. Um, so, for, so for people listening, it says Siri, translate this into Swedish. And it's a picture of David Hogg. And then Siri comes back with a picture of Greta. Right, right. Making a similar face. So, I mean, you are supposed to treat kids with kid gloves. They call them kid gloves, right? You're supposed to treat kids gently because they don't have, they often don't have full context um, and knowledge and they're likely to jump to conclusions that are reckless uh, because they're, they're children. And, but the corollary to that means you're not supposed to take their opinions super seriously either because they don't have full context and recklessly jump to conclusions. But what the left seems to like to do is demand that you take these children seriously and but then also ban, criti but, but, but ban criticism of them because they're kids. So that's just a dirty trick of sophists. Yeah. Right? They're using kids as human shields, intellectual human shields. They want to have their cake and eat it too. They, I saw that with, with David Hogg. It was very much um, take this kid seriously, listen to what he has to say, treat him like an adult, except don't treat him like an adult in terms of don't insult him or uh, make fun of him or use any satire against him. And Right, know. don't challenge his ideas aggressively. Yeah. Um, don't make him feel bad, basically. is the, the, the rule is don't make the kid feel bad. But the kid is allowed to go spout nonsense and you're not supposed to really argue with it. And let's be honest, David Hogg, I'm not trying to be mean to David Hogg right now, even though he's probably an adult at this point. He he's is not the smartest guy. He's not, no, he's not intelligent. No, he's, he's very dull. Yeah, but he is, so he's been handed these phrases and this propaganda and he goes and puts it out. And at least while he was a minor, it was verboten to mock any of that because it was just David and he's a kid. And you're seeing the same thing with Greta, right? She took a to, to protest climate change. So she also, by the way, convinced her parents to do like stop eating meat and stop traveling and all this stuff. She, she sailed to America to, so that she wouldn't fly on a plane because of her carbon footprint, right? Now, that's silly on its surface. A, sail, uh, a boat uh, required to cross the ocean and carry one 15 or 16-year-old kid um, likely wastes way more resources than... Uh, her fraction of an airline ticket, but that's a separate issue. Um, after she got here, they have but, to fly people out here to take the boat and bring it back to Europe. So, but she's, but she's trying not to be a hypocrite. She may not. She be doesn't know. Yeah, but she's trying. She she's trying. 
Yes. Yeah. She, of, of course, I think she's sincere and I sincerely do feel bad for her. Um, I will cease being bad for her when she gets older and continues this crap. But I, I will always feel bad for how she was treated as a child. And I think this is shameless. This is just shameless sophistry. That's how I feel about Greta. So the media has been just breathlessly, the legacy media has been breathlessly excited, uh, you know, reporting on her slam dunking on Congress, uh, taking Congress to school, like all this stuff. Did you see any of her testimony? I've read some of her speeches. I haven't watched her testimony. Do you have something good that you want to share with people I can pull up? No, I was curious if you had seen it. No, I mean, I have read her speeches. And one thing that stuck out to me was I specifically looked for speeches in which she attacked, or sorry, in which she addressed real issues, like um, actually talked about the science or maybe talked about um, even the principles behind the activism and, you know, the balance between cheap energy and, you know, the, the, the costs, the pluses and minuses, where she kind of treated this uh, in any sort of rational, scientific, uh, fact-based, objective way. And I, I, I didn't read all of her speeches, but I specifically looked for ones that were even titled in ways that made it look like that was what she was going to do. Like she had one called Prove Me Wrong. I was like, oh, she's going to bring up facts and, and, and ask to prove but none of this. She did none of that. All she does is say, uh, hey, adults, you should do something. Hey, adults, you should do something. Hey, oil companies, you should do something. There should be a law. You should do something. There's no actual uh, substantive discussion with her. And, you know, she's 16. I don't expect, although, frankly, I know 16-year-olds who could absolutely have a substantive discussion on this topic. But, you know, she's not, I don't expect her to be the world expert on it. But she, you know, I thought maybe she would start with some facts, but she's not really doing that. She's just taking all of the propaganda for granted and bitching loudly about adults not doing anything, quote, doing anything about it. That's all she's doing. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's similar to the, it's similar to David Hogg in another way in that it's a, a, a crisis with a lot of propaganda where they're using primarily just emotion. Yeah, you know, the emotion thing's an interesting point because um, I was thinking about this. Tell me if you, I, this is a, I just made this up, Carrie, so it could be totally wrong. I just thought about it this morning. Tell me how you think about this. Um, I was thinking that the right tends to respond to emotional arguments a lot more when they are abstract concepts like freedom and, and patriotism. And so you can like put an American flag up and an eagle and they're like, yeah, invade Iraq, right? Like you can you can drum up irrational emotional support through uh, using emotionality with respect to abstract concepts. But I don't see that a lot on the left. I, what I see more on the left is, is, is taking weak or suffering people and using them. And you can drum up a lot of emotionality on the left for that. So it's like kids in cages, kids in school, dead body on beach. Like that's what gets them all emotionally excited and uh, divorced from reason. Yes. Well, this goes back to uh, Jonathan Haidt's The Righteous Mind, which we should definitely read in book club at some point, um, yeah. and the different channels of morality. So the left, typically, they just operate on that um, harm uh, channel. So if someone is being harmed, then in, they- In the present moment, they operate- Right. Okay. Then they care deeply. Or if a group is being harmed, they operate on the harm model and I think the unfairness model. 
and, and conservatives operate on those two as well, but just in different ways. And then conservatives have like five other different types of morality or something like that, that they think about that people. On yeah. The left really. I haven't and read the book and right, you make but, me want to, but one of those is uh, like a, a, it's not patriotism, but it's something that like loyalty. Like a, yeah. Like loyalty or something like that. Yeah. The way I've seen it described as is the left, the things the left cares about is a subset of the things that the right cares about um, as distilled from his book. I saw someone distill his book that way and say, basically the right has the yin and the yang in it, but the left only has the yin or whatever it is, like only has part of it. Right. Is there, is there caring? So when it comes to the harm, like, like the harm principle, for example, conservatives and liberals both share this, this type of morality. They may interpret it differently, like take an issue like, uh, like guns. A leftist right. might say, I want to get rid of guns because they harm people. And a person on the right might say, we can't get rid of the second amendment because then people will be harmed. Right. So they both care about harm. And, and so his, one of his things is he talks about how to, how to talk to people who disagree with you if, if they're on the other quote unquote side is to figure out which of those morality um, uh, channels, so to speak, you have in common and then, and then speak to them on that channel and figure out how to speak to them on that channel. So for someone on the left, they're not going to have the same channels when it, they're going to have the harm channel and they're going to have the uh, inequality channel, but they're not going to have the, um, or not inequality, uh, unfairness. You, they okay. have the unfairness one, um, but they're not going to have like the loyalty one or the purity one, um, not in the same way. Interesting. So that, that kind of fits with, with what my view of how people get riled by emotions a little bit on each side. That makes, that makes sense. That makes sense. Carrie, um, related to this topic, it's just a good time to, to mention this because Greta's a, a kid, right? Yep. Have you seen, have you seen this XKCD uh, graph of, of Earth's temperature? I haven't. What are we looking at? I can I can barely see it. So this is a. Uh, let's see if I can make it bigger. I'm gonna have to scroll through it, but it says a timeline of Earth's average temperature, and I I'm, I want to bring this up because this is often the level that you would expect maybe a child's to look at something, and if you don't have context, you're going to jump to conclusions here. And I just want to demonstrate that for a minute. This has gone around quite a lot. I think this is old. This is uh, I don't know when this chart was out. But it says a timeline of Earth's average temperature. It's really long. And it starts out here at 20,000 uh, BCE, which is the end of the last ice age, basically. And this line here is temperature, this dotted line, right? And so it shows the temperature kind of there, rising, 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 kind of coming away up here. Blah, 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 falling back down eventually. Where does it fall back down? Jesus, up here for a while, keeps going. Oh, here we go. Falls back down a little bit there. And then at the end, there's this, this, which is the thing that's most convincing to people. So you'll see the end here, right about, right about here. This is, uh, I don't know, 1880s maybe, somewhere around, or 1850 maybe. Um, and then that this it, the line turns from dotted to solid, and then it right about in the mid 1980s there's this big 
uh, knee in the curve, and the curve goes up like this, and then uh, these parts, present day, I guess this was made in 2016 because it says present day 2016, and then these dotted lines go out here. It says we're on this current path here, optimistic scenarios here, best case scenarios here. Um, and, and people look at this and they say, look, obviously this is proof. This is demonstration. This is proof. And I can see a high school student or a junior high school student looking at this and freaking out. There's a few things to, re, to notice here. The very first thing to notice is this, this peak temperature, right? So first of all, the dotted lines, these dotted lines at the end, the future dotted lines, those are just predictions. It's worth noting that the, all of the predictions about the temperature raise on the past you know, two decades did not come true. The temperature did not rise, which is why they started talking about climate change rather than global warming. So, these, so that they have a history of bad predictions. These lines here are predictions. These are not actual data. So you can kind of ignore these because they're predictions. However, even this solid line, which is actual measured, this solid line here from about mid-1850s until present day, this is actual modern thermometers. This is, we're measuring temperature, right? And the dot, and before 1850 or so, everything all the way back to 20,000 BC, this is all this other dotted line. That's this graph. And so you look at this and you say, well, look, there's this, this uh, hockey stick curve. It just this knee in this curve and it just goes crazy. We must be doing something horrible. Um, but there's a couple things to notice. First of all, why, why, why was it a dotted line before? I'm going to tell you that. So, <laughs> but first I'm going to point something out. Even at this peak right here of this, of this measured line, this peak uh, of the non-dotted, the, the solid line. If you look, it's right about here. I'm going to scroll back. The earth actually has been that warm before. It's right, it's right where the earth has been. So it's not out of bounds. Even the peak is not out of bounds, right? However, you asked the exact right question, Carrie. <laughs> All of this historic data is based on a study <clears throat> in which the data was smoothed and there's no granularity um, less than 300 years. Granularity. Now, notice the solid line we've got is, what, 150, 175 years? So not, it wouldn't even be with the granularity of a dot on this thing, on this graph. And so what's happened is this, this, the data, this dotted line comes from data that was intentionally smoothed. Prior to 1850, we did not have modern thermometer technology. And what we did was we, um, scientists looked at like tree rings and that kind of stuff and measured what they thought was the, uh, the likely uh, temperature roughly, but it had a lot of variation in it. And that variation, because tree rings aren't just dependent on temperature and other stuff. There's a lot of, a lot of factors. And so what they did was they smoothed the data out. And I just want to, I know when I used the whiteboard, it was a fail because people didn't like it. But I'm going to try and use a piece of paper really quick. Oh, no. Oh, God, Carter. I know. It's horrible. <laughs> so here's, imagine this is your, can you see this graph here? Yes. There's nothing on it, but okay. So imagine that's your graph. Okay. Now imagine you're collecting temperature data on this graph. I'm gonna 
Imagine it's super noisy like that. Can you see the noise? Yes. Super noisy temperature data. Okay. And then, then imagine you switch. And that you probably, this might be hard to see, but there's like a little bit at the end there that's a different color that goes up. Did you see that? Uh, not really, but I trust you. All right, I'll draw a little dotted line. There's that little end. There's a little end that goes up a little bit. Okay. Right? So, but all that purple stuff, actually, they couldn't keep those temperatures. Those temperatures weren't, they were too noisy and they needed to be smoothed out. So what scientists did was they took this, this line and they said, well, it's kind of just averages here. Yes. Yes. Right? <laughs> and, and then they looked at the little part at the end and said, oh my God, it's going up. It never varies like this. Oh my God. <laughs> well, that's not true. That's not true at all. That's not how science works, and it's totally false. And it's used in a misleading way to convince high school students and people who don't ask questions that we are in an unprecedented crisis and that, the, that we're going to be Venus in 50 years if we don't stop eating meat and junk all of our cars. And that is a lie. Um, but it's not surprising that a poor, I don't mean poor economically, but a poor Swedish girl when she was eight years old freaked out when this kind of thing was told to her and didn't ask questions about, hey, how, what was your statistical method for smoothing data, right? She's not going to ask those questions. She's yeah. not going to ask where the data come from exactly. She's going to get freaked out, which is what she did. And now her identity is so tied in with this that I yeah. don't think she could possibly change who she is because, or she couldn't change her position on this, because changing her position will be tantamount to changing who she is fundamentally. And so I think they have permanently disfigured her brain. Yeah, it's, um, well, it's like we've talked about before. A lot of times, if I compare it to someone who's wrapped up in SJW ideology, their ideology becomes their identity. They, they mistake it for their identity. So it is when you criticize their opinions or you disagree with them, that's why they feel like they've been personally attacked because they take their opinions for themselves. They take it for who they are. Um, and, and then just imagine like, that's why, that's why I've always said it's hard enough for someone to walk away from a belief system like that when it is who they are, but when their salary depends on it, when they're famous, right. when they're a professional SJW, it's even harder. That's why a lot of my professional SJW friends, I don't think they'll ever change because it's not only that's who they are, that's who everyone knows them as. They write books about it or they have, you know, they're journalists, they write columns about it, you know, opinion pieces, what have you. Um, so it's even harder. And then, and then throw into the mix when you're a young person <laughs> on top of all that, it's like everyone else knows that's your identity and you're a child and, and, your brain is still developing and this is who yeah. you are. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a shame and it's dangerous. And just for the naysayers out there, I'm not saying CO2 has no effect on the climate. Um, it probably has an effect, but it's not the only thing that drives climate. It is not a univariate cause of temperature and models have been wrong. And a lot of things that you think are true are just not true. Uh, the polar bears are not dying out. They're doing fine. The ice caps are melting in the last few years, but they're still at some of the, they're still historically 
uh, at a peak compared to where the Earth's been in the past. So a lot of this stuff, it's easy to get freaked out about, but only if you want to be freaked out and you want there to be a crisis. If you want to look at this, if you want to step back and look at it rationally, is there a problem? I don't know, maybe, but it, it's not a, it's not a, the sky is falling crisis and you have to weigh any action you take against the consequences, which are cheap energy is what keeps people alive. People in third world countries, people in developing countries, they need that cheap energy. And if you start banning coal, they're dead. So you're killing people by banning coal. She, she argues for, you know, keeping oil in the ground, banning oil. Well, that would cause, that would cause death. That would lower the standard of living for people all across the globe and cause a lot of death and suffering. And that's quite a, that's quite a cost to ask people to pay when you don't even really understand the big picture and, and the science. This is, this is a, I look at this girl and I'm like, I don't think she's allowed to be a child anymore. Like she can't just be a kid. Do you know what I mean? No, it's, it's like those examples of kids that, you know, um, mostly I guess you see them in movies, but kids that like they lose both parents when they're, you know, a child and have, and they're in a war torn zone and they have to raise their family and get a job and support themselves. And it's like, they never had a chance for a childhood because they were in crisis mode, right? They had to deal with crisis mode. She mentally, she's in crisis mode. They put her in crisis mode early. Yeah. That's so, uh, that, yeah, that's it's a, child abuse. That's a great way of putting it. Cause it just really tells you what kind of anxiety she's living in. Like if yeah, she's, you know, Everything, everything she does, she's looking at through this lens and she's, she's feeling like a guilty, horrible person about right. even, to even taking the ship that she took. I'm sure she now knows how much that contributed to, to her carbon footprint or whatever. Probably. Sure it keeps her awake at night. Probably. Yeah. She's probably riddled with anxiety. Um, my, my, this is something that I think that we could all learn a lesson from, Carrie. When you feel passionately about a topic, we all do. I feel passionately about a whole bunch of topics. When you feel really passionately about a topic, that's when you need reason the most. That's the, that's the time to stop, evaluate all sides, and really, like, really check yourself. Because that passion is what can get you carried away. Um, you know, the climate change thing, I, I stopped... And, you know, I'm not an expert in climate change, but I did stop and look into climate change and I considered both possibilities. I was like, okay, well, if it is catastrophic, what would I, ha what, how would that change my life? Well, I would have to really think about what ways to come combat it without violating the non-aggression principle that I could argue for. And like, how would that fit in a, in a world where I still believe in the non-aggression principle and but, but we have to make a change collectively. Like, what would I, what would I do and how would I advocate that? Um, and okay, that's, I got comfortable with that. Like, okay, that will be a possibility. I'm willing to do that. As it turns out, I think this is largely bunk. Is there, does the humans contribute to CO2 and does that contribute to warming? They definitely contribute to CO2. It, it has an effect on warming. It's not the only effect and it's not catastrophic like this. It is, there's no evidence to suggest that this is actually something to, you know, vote in green Stalin for, which is basically what we're being asked to do as a culture. 
Well, we have to wrap this up because we're going to do deprogrammed. So we do. We do. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, if you like our videos, please share, like, subscribe. We have a subscribe star if you want to support us financially. Um, and we also have a shop. We have merchandise on unsafespace.com.